Debating Metal. As always, I'm Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and my co-host is Chris K. Today we're doing something we haven't done in quite a while. We're doing a Worst of First episode, and we're keeping it old school with the kings of the new wave of British heavy metal, Iron Maiden. Having released their 17th studio album in 2021, Iron Maiden continued to add to their impressive catalog. On this episode, Kenneth and I are going to rank their albums from what we think is their weakest all the way up to what we believe is their best. All right, so Iron Maiden's worst of first. Now, to explain to uh, everybody, we haven't done this since probably, what, the summer, maybe, of last year when we did Motley Crue's worst of first when Matt came to visit us here in Houston. Um, and then the, before that, it wasn't since the beginning of the year uh, or end of 21 and then the beginning of 22 when we did ACDC and, and uh, Metallica. But the way we did it back then was that we would basically list out our worst of first from the whatever band it was and then we would debate to put it into an order that we felt was uh good you know or, or the way we think it, it worked out best but you and i were talking earlier and I, we decided you know we're just gonna list out how we feel about it and just talk about the albums what do you think yeah i mean I think that's a good way to go about it. I mean, it's it's our personal opinion, as we've stated many times before. Rather than coming to a consensus, um, I think it's a better idea to just give our lists. Okay, so so we agree on that. And so that's what we're going to do here. But what we're going to do is we're going to just basically trade back and forth each number. So we'll do 17, you know, I'll go first, and then, you know, Chris will go, and then 16, Chris will go first, and so we'll snake it all the way down, sort of like a fantasy football draft. So, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Um, how about you go first this time? Okay, I will go first. All right, studio album number 17, and not necessarily the, the order of release, but what I think is their worst album. Um, to explain to everyone listening out there, the way I the way I did this was I broke it down into each of the eras. So there's the Paul Diano era, there's Bruce era number one, which is, would be basically considered the classic era. Then there's the Blaze Bailey era, and then there's the Reunion era. Okay, so there's four little things. Now Paul and Blaze are two albums each, and the classic era is seven albums, and the new or Reunion era is six albums. So, I, is it, is it, yeah, it was right. So, anyhow, I basically picked what I thought were my best ones uh, right away. And then from there, I would look at each of the lists and say, okay, is this album better than that album? Is, you know, do I like this album more when I, you know, for the songs or more because of the, the, the whole, you know, uh, the whole package of the album, not necessarily in packaging, but like it may only have two songs, but that I really, really like, but maybe the whole thing is relatively consistent. So there was a lot of debating between myself and I, me wasn't here half the time. <laughs> so most people should get that joke. <laughs> Anyhow. So to start things off at number 17, X factor, for me was my number 17. Uh, and it's just basically because I, you know, other than to me, other than signing across and a little bit of man on the edge, I, there's not much there that I like. 
my 17 is also the X Factor. So I think we're on the same page there. Sign of the Cross, I really do like as a song. Um, ever since I heard Bruce do that, or, or the live version of it, I've really kind of stepped it up uh, on my list of Iron Maiden songs. But I, I've just never been much of a fan of Blaze's vocals. And for the most part, I felt like X Factor is a bit directionless. Um, it's it's just not very good album as a whole, unfortunately. And there's not a lot to talk about. There's you know there's nothing that stands out to me that says like I just you know I gotta listen to this album in any way to me. And I agree with you that there's not a big reason to listen to the album unless you you know you start the album off with a with a basically an 11 minute song that starts off the first couple minutes really quiet. I mean, that's just a weird way to start an album, especially for the history that Iron Maiden has. To to start an album that way, it was extremely unique for them and just extremely unique in general, um, especially for a metal band. Because most metal bands, you know, they come out punching on the first on the first song, you know. But, but there's not much else there. That's the thing. Like, So Sign of the Cross being one of the better songs on the album, it feels like a song that on a better album would be like the closer. It doesn't feel exactly. like the opener. But there's really nothing there that I'm like, this is the opener. Right. I mean, it probably could have just fallen to Lord of the Flies. But, you know, it, it's just there's nothing super strong. There's nothing that has um, that impactful, you know, melody or riff or anything like that. I mean, it, it's it's surprising that this is what they came up with when they brought in Blaze, you know, after after Bruce quit. So it, it's just really interesting that this is what, you know, that, that this is what they came up with. Uh, it's unfortunate. I mean, there's some decent riffs on it. Don't get me wrong. But as a whole, there's nothing that kind of brings it all together. Every song on the album starts with a melancholy riff at the beginning. I think that's their whole new attitude. It <laughs> starts with melancholy stuff. But there, but there are songs on other albums, like you know, you you get to the reunion era, <clears throat> the reunion era, and there are songs that start off with like just jetting off right from the beginning, and you know, not every song. Yeah, there's a lot of the stuff now that starts with a with you know a minute long opener or something like that. But there are still those moments where they're. Like those are opening tracks, you know, and even those and even those songs that that have those two minute intros, they kick off. You know, like "Sign of the Cross" is kind of like it builds, uh-huh. it and it it gets going, but it never really gets going fast at all. It is a very methodical song. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, "Virtual Eleven, We'll talk. I'm sure we'll talk about that in just a minute or so. But um, "Virtual Eleven even starts with like future reel where it just kind of starts with an old kind of iron maiden-esque riff there's not a song on here that other than maybe the unbeliever that has like even just any level of excitement from the beginning everything is all very kind of somber uh melancholy sounding right at the beginning and yeah they may go into a more exciting riff but like this is Iron Maiden. There needs to be something there that like just gets you going from the beginning. There's nothing. Right. Okay, so let's move on to number 16. What do you have for number 16? Uh, my s- number 16 is Virtual 11. So, Ooh, Virtual 11. I really like Future Real, Klansman, um, 
I'm, that's about it, <laughs> honestly. Uh, that Como Esta Amigos is not bad. I actually do like that one. Um, I, th- I want to say the the riff on Don't Look to the Eyes of a Stranger is not too bad. So overall, to me, it is better than the X Factor. It's just it it again. It's it's Blaze Bailey, and no slight against him as as a person whatsoever. But I just don't think his vocals ever fit Iron Maiden for me. Like the just the sound just doesn't work for me. Um, I mean, right off the bat, the album looks better. Just stylistically, like the the album cover is a thousand times better than what's on X Factor. Not only is X Factor the worst album, but it has the worst cover of any Iron Maiden album. And that that's that's saying a lot considering we're going to talk about uh Dance of Death at some point. <laughs> um but um it's just it's already immediately better. You know, production's not necessarily better, but that really doesn't matter because the track the riffs are at least better than they were before okay I, I can i can understand that before we continue let me uh pop open a cold one because i'm sitting back relaxing and letting the debate begin <laughs> <laughs> um well my number 16 is a little different it is actually no prayer for the dying um okay and i know so the one thing we expect and we, and we really really hope uh, after the end of this particular episode, when, when it posts and people start to listen to it, I want to see, I want to read reactions. I want people to get annoyed <laughs> or just really give their emotional feelings as to how much they think that our list sucks. Because <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of people out there that, that are going to com- completely agree with us. So I want to hear from everybody, whether you like the list or not. Uh, just let us know what you feel about the list. You know, give us your version of the list, and maybe we'll post it, you know, or we'll mention it in the, you know, right after we do the intro, we'll give a quick rundown of somebody's list. But um, yeah, I went with number my number sixteen. I went with no prayer for the dying. Um, there's just uh. There's just not enough there for me. Um, as much as the the album was part of their classic era, it was the first album. Adrian was not there, um, and so you got Yannick now as a guitar player. So Adrian Smith brought a lot of really good riffs, a lot of good songwriting to the band. So that is now gone. Bruce Dickinson's biggest writing partner is now gone. Um, and I, I remember hearing something just literally the other day, I was listening to something and, and they were talking about Adrian Smith and why he left. And he just said he didn't like the direction in which the songs were going. And it's, that's interesting because I personally believe that the direction that the songs were going is the direction that they're in now. And so, you know, obviously he came back, but there was, there was a caveat to the reasons why he came back. There's, there's more to it, but it's. I think that's the direction that they started heading in at that time. Um, not that this album reflects most of what they're doing, but you could tell that the, the music was changing. I, I mean, from there are a couple good songs. Tail Gunner is pretty decent, but ta- Tail Gunner never really takes off. You know, it kind of has a cool melody, cool riff to it. You know, Bruce has this thing about the way he sings on that particular song. It's really cool, but it never really gets going. 
you know, kind of get it kind of builds and it's just a straight build, you know. Yeah. Holy smoke, it's kind of a cheesy song. Um, you know, hooks in you another cheesy song and then bring your daughter to the slaughter i mean steve just flat out stole it and said you know we're gonna put this on our album we're gonna do our version of it i actually think bruce's version is better even though iron maiden had a hit single with it you know i i like the way bruce did it it's more it's not so iron maiden-y and having known that you know bring your daughter to the slaughter was a bruce song beforehand and it wasn't so maiden-esque they brought it in you know you could tell you know steve brought in his bass playing and the way it was recorded and produced it it became an iron maiden song but still like the other version better after that i'm just not a big fan of most of these songs um so no prayer for the dying is my number 15 so um i guess it's a good time to talk about it um the reason i put it above virtual 11 is i do like more songs technically on this album um, Tail Gunner is pretty good. Like you said, it, it never quite feels like it gets to the point that it should. Um, but I do like the track No Prayer for the Dying. Uh, Fate's Warning is also pretty nice. Hooks in You. Yeah, it's cheesy, but it's also a follow-up to Charlotte the Harlot, which was cheesy by nature, you know? Well, it's um, funny because you know Char- Charlotte the Harlot, the song itself is cheesy by nature, right? But then mm-hmm. they did this kick-ass dark version with 20, or dark song with 22 Acacia Avenue that was just brilliant, you know? Yeah. And so the dynamic of the, the storyline changed. And then this one comes in and it kind of just went back to what they did the first time. So it's kind of weird, you know? Yeah, but it it just never bothered me in that way, I guess. I, I wasn't like up on some epic journey. It's still about, you know, the the Charlotte the Harlot character, right? Yeah. So, um but bring your daughter to the slaughter. I do like that version. Um I like the Bruce version as well, but I don't think I have a real preference to be honest. Um you know, it being a a Freddy Krueger, you know, song. Um I, that is my, of the big three horror franchises, that's my favorite. Um, but, um, yeah, like, I just like more songs on this album. Um, there's, you know, I, I really kind of struggled with my decision between two albums. And this one, um, you know, I, I surprisingly kind of just always think of it as, as the bottom album, even though I do like a few songs of it. Bottom from the Bruce era, I should say. Right, and I get that. And to to coincide with your numbers, so my number fifteen is Virtual Eleven. Okay, so, so we're kind of on the same. Page, we're kind of right? on the same path, you know, the same page in, in that regards. I mean, Virtual Eleven to me, what what changed about Virtual Eleven for me, I, I is the first time I heard it and when I bought it, I loved Future Real. I I thought that that was. Iron Maiden's way of making Blaze sound like Bruce. And because that song is completely is a Bruce era kind of song. That's the way yeah. that's the way I felt. It definitely sounds like a Bruce song. Right. And then so, you know, Agent of the Gambler, Lightning Strike Twice, they're not great songs, but I, I believe it's uh, The Angel and the Gambler. I mean, it's it's okay. Uh, it's 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 okay. That's all it is, you know. But really, what does it for me is the Klansman. 
Um, I really, really love that song. I mean, that has moved up in the last year, or maybe the last two years since, you know, shit, it's been a while since we saw Iron Maiden. I mean, we saw them in 2019, right? Yeah. Um, so ever since then, and when the Legacy of the Beast, um, the live in Mexico CDs came out, that uh, just just a being able to relive the Bruce version of it, even though he does it in, in um, rock and Rio, it's such a really good song that even blaze's version is excellent. Okay. It just, it fits him, but it, it, Bruce just brings that much more drama to it with his voice. I really love that song. And so future real being a pretty decent song for me, just moved this album up that one notch above no prayer. Cause I, if, I probably hardly ever listen to No Prayer. I mean, I'll, I'll I have Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter on my playlist, and for whatever reason, because you know you listen to it once on your on your master playlist, and you listen to the whole thing through, it will repeat every time you start your oh, playlist yeah. over. There, you know, within the first twenty songs, <laughs> there's Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Yeah, my my uh, playlist seems to think I want to listen to Jet City Woman every day, <laughs> so. There's, there's one song, I can't remember what it is. If, if I remember during the show, I'll talk about it. But it continues to start, you know, like every time I, I, I like reset it, within five songs, that song comes up. But I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know what it is later. All right. So going down to number 14 for me uh, is another Bruce era, classic era album. And it is Fear of the Dark. Um, my... Uh, Issues with Fear of the Dark is, let's see, they've gone away from Adrian. You know, this is the second album without Adrian. The production, you know, they're, they're now they recorded the album, uh, I believe, in the barn uh, or, or the barnyard, whichever uh, that Steve Harris's home studio. Um, and I don't, I, I think that I don't think there was a lot of inspiration on this particular album for me. Now. That doesn't mean that, you know, someone else is not going to sit there and say, oh, are you crazy? That's the best album that they have. I mean, look, there's got some good songs. Be Quick or Be Dead, From Here to Eternity. Um, Afraid to Shoot Strangers never really, you know, hit it for me. Some people liked Wasting Love. That's It's just Maiden's attempt at having a ballad. They don't need to sing ballads. That's just, that's not their thing. Okay. But. The, the, the really the strongest thing about this whole album, Fear of the Dark. I mean, they play it every concert, every time they, 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 they're playing live and absolutely must play it because it's an, you know, it's an amazing song. But for the rest of the album, it is just a lot to be desired for me, especially considering so many better albums that they have. I can, I can agree with that for the most part. Um, however, my number 14 ended up being Final Frontier. Um, Final Frontier was one that, for the longest time, just eluded me. Uh, just never clicked. Um, I do like the title track, Final Frontier, uh, after the very long intro, Satellite 15. Um, I wish those were separated, but it is what it is. It is on my playlist. Gotcha. <laughs> El Dorado is a really cool song. Um, and I've come to like some of the the stuff that's come later more 
over time. It did it did end up moving up my list, uh, replacing no no prayer for the dying. Um, so I did move no prayer for the dying down and move that one up. Because um, I actually did write this list of quite a while back, but I rewrote it without looking, and it was nearly identical. So my feelings really haven't changed in the last, like, six months or so. Um, but um, for the most part, I think it's a pretty good album. It's grown on me a bit, and maybe it'll continue to grow on me. Um, but it's still one that just never really quite resonated. And, and you know, it's got moments that I can enjoy, but... Um, yeah, I think it's just one that I'm even now, like 13 years later, I'm going to have to just keep giving it listens and maybe it'll it'll grow in my list. <laughs> the, it's funny because um, I can agree with you on some of the stuff, but, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold my comments to when I'm when Final Frontier is up for me. Yeah. Um, so. So my number 13 was your number 14, Fear of the Dark. Um, and the reason being is I again like more songs than i do on final frontier um so i like be quick or be dead it's a it's a good start to the album um there's childhood childhood's end which i've always kind of liked you said you didn't like wasting love i think it's got a really cool riff to it um you know it's not it's it, you can call it a ballad to me it's not a a ballad really but i get it um but Chains of Misery is a cool song. Um, but yeah, Fear of the Dark itself is just such an awesome track. It, it elevates the album to me. Like, yeah, it takes 12 songs to get to it. And there's some there is some good stuff in between. But man, Fear of the Dark is just an amazing track. That's what I think. Uh, I, I, I want to say I, that's what I think blinds a lot of people. For how good that one song is, it literally blinds people i mean you have a really strong start with be quick or be dead really 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 strong end it's everything in between is kind of like eh, questionable uh chains of misery I, I was listening to that uh either today or yesterday and it's weird because iron maid is not they're not known for having those gang vocals and it was just kind of odd to me uh the way that they sang you know the the the, the chorus in that song so i'm like eh, i don't know i you know I might feel this way now, six months from now, I might catch a couple songs and say, Hey, you know what? This album's better than I thought it was. You know, it, it rarely happens, but <laughs> sometimes it does. And I actually have one album from Iron Maiden that, that my opinion has changed considerably since, uh, I first heard it. I think, I think Chains of Misery, like I get what you're saying and it is a little bit unorthodox for their style, but, I, I think because I heard it like around the time that it first came out and you know, it just, it, it got me back then. I mean, within like the first couple of years of it being out, you know, I was, I was still fairly, you were six years old when it first came out. <laughs> I was listening to Iron Maiden at that point. So, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those that like it, it, it sunk in to me a little bit better and maybe it's just because of the right timing or whatever you know when when uh final frontier came out there was a lot going on in my life so it made it harder for me to just sit down and listen to an album so sometimes that can be a factor too yeah i i, I agree with that i mean there's lots of things that can definitely affect 
how an album is, is, uh, absorbed into your consciousness because sometimes if you, if you're having an, a, a rough time in your life, an angry part of your life, and this particular album doesn't help your angriness, <laughs> sometimes you just don't like the album or sometimes it just doesn't sit well with you. I, I get that, you know, lots of, you know, some albums are, you know, uh, more melancholy and, and it helps and you, you appreciate those albums more. Sometimes the angry albums are what helps you get through that period. So there's, there's all sorts of different reasons why we don't like or like albums. Like or don't like. <laughs> what do you got for your 13? Well, we're, we're still in the same little neighborhood. Uh, uh, my number 13 is the final frontier. <laughs> so... so um, so the thing about the final frontier is like you mentioned before, you know, you wish you didn't hear it. And I said, I broke up the songs. That's what I did. I, I literally sent it through the software. I cut the two songs in half and made new MP3s out of them, put them on my, my, my phone, my other, my, I, my other device that I listen to music on. And now I can skip satellite 15 completely. And, Man, is the Final Frontier a much better song without it. <laughs> so, um, Final Frontier is a good song. I like El Dorado. I like The Alchemist. I thought that was a pretty good song. Um, and then there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, the other songs like, you know, a lot of people talk about how good the, when the wild wind blows. Um, it's okay for me. It's not bad. The Man Who Would Be King has got some good riffs in it. So, there's some stuff there I like that I'm, I'm, Liking more because I'm, I've really, in the last several years, have come to accept that Iron Maiden is not the same Iron Maiden that I grew up with. And once I've accepted that, a lot of songs have kind of uh, opened up to me, put it that way. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's something that people don't, they, they always want the band to be exactly how they were at one point. And they're not going to be because they change members change they get older you know and and that doesn't mean you you have to like everything they do you know i still love ride the lightning but i don't necessarily like new stuff from metallica so you know it's any band can be like that in flames was one of my favorite bands for their early formation and then when after 2000 hit you know after clayman I just don't really like much they did. So it happens, but you can still enjoy those early albums. Right. Absolutely. I, I and some totally people, get it. Sometimes it's the opposite for people. Like they don't like the old stuff cause it's maybe too heavy or something like that. And then they, they you know, they became more mainstream and they're like, this is great. So right. I mean, like yeah. all the, all the Metallica fans who like every, you know, the black album rather than anything off of kill them all. Yeah, exactly. You know, all right, so my number 12, I think this from this point on, I think our lists are going to just vary completely. Right now, we've we've listed the same five albums in different order, oh, except for one. And so I think from here on in is where things are going to go a little sideways for our lists. Um, okay, so number 12 for me is Senjutsu, the new album. Um, okay. So I like Sinjutsu. Don't get me wrong. So it, this is the funny thing. From here on in, all these albums are great. They just keep getting better and better and better and better, you know? And that's the way, you know, we're going to number one. Um, so at some point, with with the amount of albums that they have, uh, 
something's got to show up in this place, you know? <laughs> so, um, Senjutsu is the one I put in number 12. Um, it's got a definitely a, a, a different palette than most of the other Iron Maiden albums that are out there. Um, there's a lot of things on this album that are just so different from Maiden, but at the same time, it wasn't so different that it was a turnoff for me. You know, uh, you know, like for instance, the song of Senjutsu itself, you know, the first song in the album, it is different. It's just, a, it's a plotter. And, but it, it, you know, in, in how, how many times have you heard Nico just go through the, an entire song and just doing, you know, like a tribal type drum beat, you know, it doesn't happen very often. You know, Stratego, great song. It's a typical kind of Iron Maiden song, but even then it's not, it's not straight typical. It's not like a trooper typical, you know, the writing on the wall, great song. They have never done anything that remotely sounds like it could be Western American, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that and but that's what makes it unique. And at the same time, it's very Iron Maiden. And then if you watch the video with it, it makes it that much better, you know. And then there's uh, you know other songs. Days of Future Past is a song that I really like. Uh, time Machine is a pretty cool song. You know, I really really wanted to like Death of the Celts, but it didn't grab me the same way the Klansman did. Although that to me is it was kind of a similar storyline. You know, and then the parchment is a lot of people's favorite song. You know, Hell on Earth, very good song. You know, so they're great album, but to me, there are more better albums than this one. That's fair. Um, okay, so let's see. My number th- twelve. I almost said eleven. My number twelve um, is going to be the Book of Souls. Um. While I do like some songs on the album, um, namely If Eternity Should Fail, Empire of the Clouds, um, the actual track Book of Souls is really cool. Um, Speed of Light has some good stuff to it, and I, I really do like the riff a lot. There's there's a couple things that hinder the album to me, and one is the sound of it, the way it was recorded, I think just sounds like ass. It's really not very good um, production in general. Um, and then <laughs> Bruce's vocals, you know, he's he's coming off of his surgery for, you know, removing his cancer, etc. No, he isn't. Actually, he he recorded the whole album before he knew that. Then maybe he was having some other vocal issues then because it mean, just doesn't he, sound as good. Right. And that's probably because he had that ball in his neck. Yeah. And he didn't realize it. Yeah, because he sounds a lot better on Sinjutsu than he does on this album, and th- so maybe maybe it was just due to those those issues that were maybe uh, you know compressing vocal cords or whatever mm-hmm. was happening. Um, I guess it was just the tour that was delayed by the cancer. Yes, the tour was delayed. Said so that the whole release of the album and the tour was delayed because of the cancer. Mm, so they okay. had the album was in the can. But they they couldn't do anything with it because they knew that Bruce was you know going through therapy and re- and, and recovering and all that stuff. Gotcha. That so. makes sense. Well, regardless, his vocals don't sound as good here, um, especially after Final Frontier where they sounded really good, and then um, Sinjutsu where they sound great again. Um, so you know it's 
it it's hard to judge on that level because you you want to say like well be forgiving because he was ill or whatever but at the same time it's just a fact of life it just it just doesn't sound as good um the recording like i said it just it does not sound good um but the riffs are there you know and that's what that's what makes the album that great if eternity should fail i think is absolutely fantastic i know that bruce wrote it for a solo thing but it's an Iron Maiden song at this point, right? Because there's never been a solo version of it. So to be honest, like that to me is my favorite song in the album. Empire of the Clouds is, is really up there. The stuff that Bruce actually wrote, I think is some of the best stuff on here. Um, Death or Glory is really cool. It's a nice start to the side too. Um, Tears of a Clown is one of those that kind of like surprised me. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that track. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I do like the album. I just wish it sounded better. Oh, I agree with you. The album sounds like ass. Especially, actually, it sounds the worst on to me on Speed of Light. So Speed of Light is the worst sounding track, period. Not just for the quality of the recording, but Bruce's vocals, I think, are the worst on Speed of Light. I agree. So what is your number 11? <sighs> My number 11 is A Matter of Life and Death. Um, I am a fan of that album, so it sounds crazy to put it at, at number 11, but that just means that Iron Maiden has that many albums that I like even more. Um, a Matter of Life and Death um, was one of those that, like, you know, really, I, you know, everything in the reunion era got me back. But, like, um, Brave New World came out, then Dance of Death, and and you go, okay, are they gonna keep it going? And I was I was just like so satisfied, so happy with what they kept doing, you know, what they kept putting out. So, um, Matter of Life and Death starts off with a different world. I love that song. I think it's absolutely awesome. Um, these colors don't run. Really cool song, you know, patriotic to to any. You know, wherever you're from, just it, that idea of like you, you support where, where you know, your your hit your history, I guess. Um, I like Brighter Than a Thousand Suns. Pilgrim is a cool song. Uh, I know you're not a fan of it, but the reincarnation of Benjamin Brigg, I'm a fan of um, for the greater good of God. I, as much as I like that song, it does go on a little bit too long but it's still a really cool riff and it gets stuck in my head. Um, so I do like this a bit more than, than uh, the book of souls um, production sounds a little better. Vocals sound a little better. Um, but there are so many more albums that I like more, which is just crazy to me because, you know, I always think of it as, as like, I, I am a defender of this album. I really like it. So it's my number 11 as well. <laughs> ah. um, oddly enough, but it, for the same kind of reasons is because there are so many more better albums, you know, Mo better. <laughs> yes. Um, but if you would have asked me to do this same rank a year ago, now I know we were, we had planned to do it in the middle of the summer last year. Um, and we scrapped it for something else. Um, <clears throat> and I never got around to doing my list. But if you had asked me a year ago, maybe even the six months ago when I did this, when I was we were supposed to do this episode, I would have put this one close to Virtual Eleven, um, and Virtual Eleven probably would not have been as high. I mean, it, it was fifteen; it was three from the bottom. It may have probably been X Factor, Virtual Eleven, Matter of Life and Death for me. 
that may have been the case. But like I said before, I have begun to accept a lot of things. But I've also listened to this album several times because of you telling me, no, you really got to give it a chance. You got to give it a chance. And then listening to an Iron Maiden podcast that they said, oh, this album's brilliant. And I'm like, I don't know about all that. Um, but then, you know, and other people just talking about how good this album is. And even Maiden going out and playing the whole album on tour. I mean, that that means you really believe in it. Okay, that's fine. A Different World, like you said, Great song. Uh, I like These Colors Don't Run. Brighter Than a Thousand Suns. I, I, at first, didn't really, it didn't really hit me, but I, I've listened to it and the, there's something about it that just, it's kind of like enlightening, you know, no pun intended with the sun, <laughs> you know, but it, it's something about it. It's just, it's positive to me. It's a really good track. Yeah. Like it just has a, it has a mood to it. Right, exactly. The Pilgrim, super cool song. Um, and then, you know, For the Greater Good of God, like you said, it goes on a little bit too long, but it's a good track. Um, I've just, you know, I mentioned it to you today before we, we got on the show. I still cannot get into Reincarnation of Benjamin <laughs> Brieg. There's a couple of cool riffs, but it just doesn't collectively grab me. And it's just one of those things. Um, but, you know, overall, the the whole presentation the whole package the whole thing about this album is pretty cool um you know i i ended up buying it on vinyl i finally bought the cd i, I didn't have the cd for the longest time uh, but i got the vinyl first and then i got the cd and i got the little package with the the, the guy that, the, the the it was the 2019 re-release of the 2015 remaster <laughs> say that wow <laughs> and it comes with the when they re-release it with the like every four albums had an eddie that one had an Eddie. So, yes, the little figurine. Yeah, the little figurine. So, that's my number 11, Matter of Life and Death. All right. So, now, number 10, we're still kind of in the same neighborhood. I, I'm surprised at this, but Book of Souls is my number 10. And I agree with you. Like, like I said before, the album is poorly produced, but this is the issue. It's kind of like. Why is it poorly produced? Well, this is what the band wants. It's like, I, I can't remember, you know, like, you know, Brave New World, they came out and they did, they did this great production. They did something a little different with, with Dance of Death. And then I think it was Matter of Life and Death. They, oh, what did they do in the studio? They had a whole making of, like, the only time that they had a making of an album, like, sort of like, uh, you know, with the, with the, the camera following them around in the studio. They have a whole documentary with that, and I believe they were trying to do like uh, write all the songs in the studio. I think that's what it was. Uh, Production-wise, they just they they didn't do much to it. It was just kind of like live in the studio almost mm -hmm. to some degree. And then with um, the Final Frontier, the production was better, but I think there was no. I think they did no mastering. And I think that's the same thing that happened with Book of Souls. They they just whatever they recorded, whatever they mixed, those the two tracks, that's what that's what went to press. There was no mastering of it. It just it does sound like ass. There's a lot of muffling going on. Yeah. You know, some tracks sound better than others, you know, like Speed of Light, just the drums sound so flat. 
they just sound like he's beating on you know dead skins in well, <laughs> te- technically they are <laughs> but it sounds like that just it just sounds like muddy you know but the album for me though I like the album a little more than you do um, because I you know internally I agree with you if eternity she fails great song there's something about that vibe of that song is just so cool um, then when it picks up at you know at, at, you know right before the solo amazing stuff and then it brings it back down to the original riff I like that speed of lights a good song you know not their best you know upbeat track but it's a good one um, the red and black is good book of souls is good death or glory great you didn't like much about Tears of the Clown. Here's the funny thing about Tears of the Clown, and I, and I'm, I know you know this, uh, but some of you guys out there might not know it. Tears of the Clown is written about Robin Williams um, and uh, the comedian who, who um, passed away several years ago. And when I first heard the song and I started reading the lyrics, I'm like, wow, this sounds like it could be about Robin Williams. I don't know what possessed my mind to go in that direction but that's the first thing i thought about and then i realized it's about him i thought that's so weird you know i mean bruce but i like to paint a picture you know yes right and and i like the song um not it's not the best song in the world but there's something about it knowing that it has that personal touch to it that kind of i like a little bit more about it uh empire of the clouds at 18 minutes, man, it's for me, it's tough to get into. There are some highlights on the song I like, um, but overall, I'm like, I just don't want to listen to 18 minutes for one song. And that's just part of the issue with Iron Maiden is that their songs are getting so long. <laughs> you know, it's like, God damn it, dude. <laughs> you know, come on, Steve, cut it out. <laughs> and in this particular case, it was Bruce who, who brought in an 18-minute song. And he's the one who barked at Steve when they did Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner and looks at him and goes, you want me to learn all these lyrics? <laughs> you know? And now he's whipping out an 18-minute song. But um, overall, I think the album's good. So it's they're, they're getting better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I... I- I understand that, like, but again, like people change over time, right? The, at, le- oh, at least Bruce isn't putting out skunkworks again. So, <laughs> all right. So, my number. What's your number ten? My number ten. Um, this is going to be controversial, um, <laughs> but my number ten is Killers. Um, killers for me. I just don't like as many songs as I do on the original Iron Maiden album and several albums we're going to talk about going forward. Um, you know, it, it sounds crazy to me, but uh, obviously Eyes of March, great opener. Wrathchild, one of my favorite songs from Iron Maiden. Uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue is a cla- classic. Uh, Killers, the track itself. Um, you know, Another Life prodigal son they're all good tracks but they just for some reason killers was just never the album that that just like drew me to it i when i think of classic iron maiden with with paul diano i typically think of most of the tracks being from iron maiden that i like um so um yeah, I mean, it, there's just so many other albums that I like more than Killers. I think Killers has better production than Iron Maiden. I think that's pretty universally agreed. Um, but production doesn't make the album. So, yeah, number 10. Interesting, interesting. I, I 
I I agree with most of what you're saying on that. Um, I just ranked it a little bit higher, so I'll be talking about it in a little bit. That was your number two. So what do you have for number nine? My number nine is Dance of Death, the second worst album cover for Iron Maiden. Um, but I, I love the opener, Wildest Dreams, Rainmaker, absolutely great song. Um, Dance of Death, the track itself, Passchendaele, um, Montsegur, I really like. Just really the whole album I'm a big fan of. Um, I don't think it's as good as Brave New World. Um, but it was a nice follow-up. I was very happy with it when it came out. And I like a lot of the riffs. They do these kind of like Irish-sounding songs um, on, on a fairly regular basis at this point, I guess, because they did you know, some stuff on uh, Brave New World, um, like uh, uh, Blood Brothers. So they do these, these kind of these like there's – there's a certain type of riff – and it, it occurs on multiple songs, like it occurs on Dance of Death, um, where they, they, they're kind of like telling a story at the beginning, you know, like a like an Irish drinking song almost to some degree, um, stuff that you would hear in, in a bar. Um, and I like those. I really like those where, um, you know, it's a little bit more storytelling. And that's kind of what the, the, the era of Iron Maiden that we're in now. You know, not as much of the the horror and, you know, movie references and stuff like that. We're in, you know, more of a long-term storytelling kind of era. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really like Dance of Death. I think it's a great album with one of the shittiest album covers I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree with you on the album cover. Um, so much so that I found the original artwork and that's what i use as my album cover on uh on itunes and my iphone and all that stuff i just why bother you know if i if i'm able to change the cover more power to me (laughs) oh i'm in 100 percent agreement (laughs) exactly all right so that was your number nine so my number nine and i know you're going to disagree with me completely because i know this is going to be high up on your rank um for me number nine is somewhere in time um, and I know that hurts you. You're like, you just had your heart just like, kind of feel like a pinch. I mean, you're entitled <laughs> to your wrong opinion. Um, somewhere in time, if there ever was an album by Iron Maiden that was going to sit there and say, Hey, look at me. I'm in the eighties. This is the album <laughs> because the production on this is so eighties, except the fact that it was too late like like judas priest picked up on on the on the uh synthesizer guitar much earlier than than iron maiden when they released turbo um iron maiden had picked up on it a little bit with seven sun and and this here's the funny thing they say uh they did it more synthesizers on Seventh Son, but it was it was something about the type of guitar that they used on Somewhere in Time. It just sounds synthetic, if you want to put it that way. Um, I don't like the guitar tones that are on this album. Now, to to turn it away from the production, the songs, you know, even even that for me lacked it overall in comparison to some of the other albums, and. In God's Honest Truth, I mean, I like Wasted Years. I like Caught Somewhere in Time. Um, sea of Madness, it's got a cool melody. It's got, you know, 
uh, cool, you know, good riff, but it just doesn't grab me like classic Iron Maiden would. Heaven Can Wait, good song. I'm kind of a little over it, really. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, but that doesn't really grab me. Stranger in a Strange Land, good song. Just kind of slow and plodding for me. So it, it was one of those things. De- to me, like Deja Vu, I like Deja Vu. They really need to play that on this next tour, but I, I doubt that's going to happen. But they should play Alexander the Great. That's a pretty cool song. I, th- I mean, every indication is leading to them playing Alexander yes, the Great the, on the, this. The Future Past Tour is what they're they're coming up with, which is funny because that's a song on Senjutsu, so that's weird. I will um, I will be at that tour, come hell or high water. S- so will I. <laughs> so, I mean, for eight songs, it's it's not bad. To me, for, in my personal opinion, you know, once you get – the, you know, you got no prayer. You got fear of the dark. When it starts coming to the, to the rest of the classic era, to, to in my opinion, whether you like it or not, Mister Chris, it is the, the third worst. <laughs> so, move on to number eight. Um, you just said yourself that you had a controversial one, at your number ten. Well, guess what? My number eight. Is your number 10, Killers. Okay. Now, <clears throat> to kind of go over a little bit what you said, uh, or not, I, I don't want to repeat what you said, but, you know, basically it has better production, but like you said, better, better production doesn't necessarily mean better album. Okay. This is a collection of songs, I think, except for maybe one that was all stuff that they were doing before. So it's all stuff that they were doing before they signed, uh, while they were making Iron Maiden, you know, even before that. And for whatever reason, as a, to me, in my opinion, and, and yours as well, the collective is not better than Iron Maiden, the, the first album. Uh, I mean, it's got great songs. Killers is a killer song. <laughs> you know, Ratchet, great song. Murders in a Room, great song. But for me, you know, is Innocent Exile that great of a song? Is it better than Prowler? You know, I don't think so. Is Another Life better than Prowler? Is Another Life, you know, is is Genghis Khan better than Transylvania? They're both instrumentals. No, it's, it's, it's different. Is Prodigal Son better than, you know, Strange World or, or is it better than Charlotte the Harlot? You know, is Drifter better than, uh, you know, uh, Sanctuary? So those are the kind of things when you put them head to head like that, I think the first Iron Maiden album blows this one out of the water. So, you know, going along the same things you said, it's it's that same that collective to me doesn't add up to the to the first collective. Even though they were all, you know, written, you know, through time, you know, that, that old saying, you have a lifetime to write your first album and you only have a few months to write the second one. Well, in Iron Maiden's case, they had a long time to write the second one album because it's a lot of leftover songs. But there's a reason why they were left off the first album because, it, to me, half of them are not as good as the stuff that's on on the on the first album. Yeah, it, I mean that is that is a definite fact where it does feel like leftovers to some degree, and it's like not when all I, that way, but par- right. partially it is. 
and it's the songs that didn't make it onto the first album. That does that doesn't mean that good songs don't make it onto albums sometimes because that does happen where an amazing song gets left off because it doesn't necessarily quite fit the vibe of what they were doing before, and that does happen. Um, but in this case, for me, I think the material that's on the original album is better. Period. Dot. <laughs> Is dot. All right, what, what's your number eight? My number eight was your number 12, Sinjutsu. Um, I am a big fan of this album. I really, really like it. It's my, I would, I guess, technically second favorite of the reunion era. Um, I, I From the moment, like, we got the singles that were released, I've, I really enjoyed every single one of them. When the album came out, I couldn't stop listening to it for months. Um, Hell on Earth, definitely my favorite track on the album. Um, just absolutely love that riff. It's, you know, it's a longer song at 11 minutes, but pretty much every song on this album goes from, you know, four minutes up. Um, but the majority of them are around eight, nine minutes, ten minutes. Um, so if that's not your cup of tea, then I, I get that. But um, everyone I've talked to and said, no, give it a second chance has really kind of come around on this album. Um, the parchment is absolutely great. Like you said, it's a lot of people's favorites. Uh, Stratego is really cool. Writing on the wall so different, but really good. Um, Days of Future Past, like you mentioned awesome song Sunjutsu itself really good song I like Death of the Celts I think it's the worst of the trilogy um, but worst meaning just like not as good as the other two not meaning bad um, I really like this album the music videos that accompanied it they did an a just absolutely stellar job the animation is really well done um, they believe in this album and I, I did too like Hell on Earth has become one, not only just one of my favorites but uh, off of this album, but one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs. So a- absolutely awesome to hear them all these years later still putting out great material. Well, to, to say that that's one of, your, one, of, you know, one of the best Iron Maiden songs is saying a lot. So uh, I, know you, I know you like it. I like the album too. You know, but some somewhere, somewhere along the, the, the way, other albums are in different spots. Yep. All right, so what do you have for number seven? My number seven is very fitting as seventh son of a seventh son. There's lots of sevens there. Um, I really like this album. Uh, this was my, you know, th- to me, the end of the, the, the original era. And it makes sense because, you know, um, Adrian Smith is gone after this album. And... You know, he, he, like you said, he brought a lot to the band. Um, and, and maybe original era is not, not correct. The original Bruce area is, or era is meant what I meant to say. Um, but Moonchild, awesome opening. Infinite Dreams is really cool. Can I Play With Madness? One, like, just awesome song. The Evil Men That Men Do is probably my favorite song off this album. Uh, seventh Son of the Seventh Son. The Clairvoyant, uh, prophecy is good too um but only the good die young awesome closer to me it's a solid album from beginning to end not one track i would skip um i think we did a a head-to-head with this album at one point i believe so 
Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, um, <laughs> definitely look that one up because I remember talking about this album in depth. Um, yeah, we did. I believe the head to head was this versus Somewhere in Time. Yeah, that would make sense. So awesome album from beginning to end. But that means if I like every song on this album, that means there's six albums that I like more in that degree. They, that's crazy. That's, that's how is, much I like Iron Maiden. <laughs> exactly. Um, so to go along with what you were saying before, uh, my number seven, and I almost put Seventh Son just because it was seven, <laughs> but I was like, I can't be that it was total, fucking guy. You know, it you, was total that accident. Guy. I didn't oh, even it? realize it until we were just talking about it. <laughs> All right. Well, my number seven is Dance of Death. Um, it, it It's just a... It's grown on me, very similar to how Matter of Life and Death uh, has grown on me. Um, I I liked some of the songs when they first came out, and I thought it was they were strong. Um, but you know, at the time, so you, you're going all the way. Oh, reunion era, so they're back together. Brave New World, excellent album. Dance of Death, the next one. It's got some good strong tracks. That's the way I felt about it when I first heard it. I never went back to really analyze it to sit there and say, oh, this is amazing. Yes, we did a greatest hits, but that was, you know, uh, I picked the songs that I liked and then that was it. But when you when I went back to analyze it going deeper and deeper, side one, if you want to look at it on the record, the first five tracks, solid. All five. I mean, just outstanding first side of an album. Wildest Dreams, Rainmaker, No More Lies, Montesegur, and Dance at Death. It's hard to beat. Now the second out, the second side, a little weaker, but yet very strong. And for me, the song that stands out the most is Passchendaele. Um, I heard somebody talking about it, and and I said, you know, let me give this song a chance. And the first time I heard it, I'm like, ah, oh, it's you know, it's you know, you eight eight minutes. It's a long song, and it's got a lot of ups and downs. But the downs are so kind of down. But then I I really really paid attention to it. Man, do I like that song. Uh, you know, there's so much meaning behind it. Uh, you know, having that that the Battle of Passchendaele basically and 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 how bad that was. It, it was it's crazy to think about how bad that was and and you know to 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 put that song into like one man's perspective of how bad it was out there is pretty interesting. So I love the way they 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 put that point of view on that song. Excellent song. So that's my number seven so now my number six was your number seven seventh son of a seventh son so everything you said about that um i agree with up to one point um i can skip uh one song on this uh thing and i heard it the other day and i'm like yeah i can skip this one that was the prophecy it's the weakest song in the album that's why i skipped it when i was initially talking about it because it's not one but i i don't mind it like if it, if I'm listening to it in the context of the album, but I oh, right. I exactly. will never go out of my way to listen to it because it's just not one that stands out to me. Right. I mean, the clairvoyant it's just got that that classic Iron Maiden bass line at the beginning. Yeah. I really like that. I mean, obviously, side one solid. Moon Child, Infinite Dreams. Can I play with madness? Evil Dead Men do. You know, Seventh Son, just an epic track at almost ten minutes long. Um, but the prophecy is like coming off of, of Seventh Son, I was like, oh, wow, this is not that strong. But it picked it back up with Clairvoyant and Only the Good Die Young is just outstanding track. 
you know, and then of course they they close it with the same way that they open the album, except with one little line change. So it's pretty cool. I I mean, excellent, excellent album. It's my number six. So, what do you have for number six? My number six is going to be Brave New World. Uh, it's my favorite of the reunion era. It still is to this day. Um, you know, just absolutely solid album from beginning to end. The Wicker Man, Ghost of the Navigator, Brave New World, Blood Brothers. What a start. Just like those four songs back to back. When this came out, you know, after, you know, we, we went through the, the Blaze era and this was the first album with Bruce back. This this made me a believer instantly. Um, songs like The Nomad, uh, Mercenary, Out of a Silent Planet, Thin Line Between Love and Hate. I mean, for all the songs I really like, but those kind of stand out more than others for me. But like The Wicker Man is just it it puts for like for me, you know, even though I like Seventh Son of a Seventh Seventh Son all like all the way through, when you have songs that are as strong as The Wicker Man and Blood Brothers, Ghost of the Navigator, like those to me I mean, Brave New World, too. Like, no doubt. Like, just those first four tracks, to me, like, elevate it even past Seventh Son for me. I I agree with you. I mean, it's it's a strong, strong album. I mean, again, it's another one. Side one, first five songs, the first half of the album. Solid. All solid. Side two, again, leaves a little bit to be desired on some of the songs, but they're so strong in general that, it's this is a great album. Although I have to say, the Nomad, it's such a unique thing. Like at the so, so very similar to and, and not in style of song. Similar to how the writing on the wall is something that they never did. You know, an American Western kind of style song. Mm-hmm. The Nomad, they never really did that kind of of uh, phrasing with their with the with their you know, with the, with the chords and stuff like that. It was a very unique song, kind of annoying to me at, at times, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, uh, I can, I can deal with it much better than I can deal with, let's say the prophecy. I really um, like I, the way the nomad starts with that, that riff and the way it's kind of like a little bit disjointed at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like the, the way that Bruce sings nomad, I think is really cool. Like it, I, I, I not sure where you're getting the annoyance from, but <laughs> m- maybe because of the the kind of Arabic sounding tone to it. Yeah, I it's the disjointed part that for me is the part that it comes off a little annoying because any time that Maiden tries to do something like they're progressive, but they're not they're not the kind of progressive where they do odd time signatures kind of progressive. They're not Dream Theater, you know. That, they're not that kind of progressive. <laughs> and so when they go into that realm, it just doesn't fit for me. But so that, that whole disjointed beginning part and, and the cording and the phrasing, it's it's different. Yes, the Arabic sounding, that doesn't bother me, but that's what I was trying to say. It's very similar to how writing on a wall is is American Western. And the, this one is, I couldn't think of it now that you mentioned, yeah, it's the, it's the Arabic phrasing of the, of the, the cording. So, um, but that's, that's the part that's cool about the song is the disjointed part at the beginning, you know, that first quarter, third of the song, that's just kind of like, eh, gotcha. it's annoying to me, 
But the rest of the album, I mean, I like Out of the Silent Planet. I think that's a great song. Thin Line Between Love and Hate. It's a cool song. So, yeah. Um, that's that's pretty good. Um, that was your number... That's my number six. Six. All right, so what's your number five? My number five is going to be Iron Maiden. Um, you know, amazing opening with Prowler. Remember Tomorrow, so good. Uh, Running Free, Phantom of the Opera. Transylvania is an awesome instrumental. Um, one of the best that they've ever done. Um, Stranger World, Charlotte the Harlot. You know, Stranger World's probably the weakest song on the album, honestly. Charlotte the Harlot's really good. Um, but it's a little cheesy, a little corny. That's that. That's what they were doing back then, kind of like monster movie esque stuff, you know. And then Iron Maiden's just a, a standard, you know. You hear it at every concert. It's, it was a closer, you know. It's 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 a great song. Um, I, I'm a bigger fan of the Bruce era than I am of of the Deano era, but there's something kind of magical about those first two albums, you know. And uh, there are times where that's all I want to listen to. I'll pull up, you know, the Deano stuff and listen to both albums back to back. And I, and I really enjoy it, but I, there are albums I just like more. And this was very, you know, uh, raw. It's very, you know, hungry sounding. There's some really good instrumentation. I like the, you know, what they did on these albums, you know, Phantom of the Opera is one that like, when I first heard it, I was like, this is this is so weird, this is so bizarre, and it's grown on me so much that I, I listen to it regularly. Um, Prowler, Running Free, a couple of my favorite songs from, from you know this era. So, you know, just overall amazingly solid album. Um, just still four more that I like more. <laughs> well, this is also my number five, and, you know, I agree with you in a lot of uh, a lot of this album. The funny thing about this album is, you know, you can. I mean, obviously, when you listen to Iron Maiden as a whole, you can tell this is their first album. You can tell they're young. You can tell the almost, lack of a better term, the immaturity of their songwriting. Even though you have a song like Phantom of the Opera. That's that that song is so far in a, a way advanced for anything else that they had done at this point, even even anything on Killers. It's it's so cool. I mean, that is my favorite Iron Maiden song, or actually, excuse me, my second favorite Iron Maiden song because my favorite's "Hollow Be Thy Name." Um, but "Phantom" is such a cool song, you know. Um, but you can see, like "Running Free," that's an that's a young person's song. Uh, Charlotte the Harlot is totally a, a young person song. I mean, you would almost think that, you know, that uh, Dave Murray wrote that when he was like 15 or something like that, you know? Um, Strange World is, is a is a pretty interesting song. You know, Transylvania, you know, it's a really good uh, instrumental. You know, Remember Tomorrow. I mean, put it this way. When half of the big four record that song as a cover, you know you've done something right. You know, Metallica did a cover it of it anthrax did a cover of it so it's that's and they did two killer versions of it so that's cool prowler i mean the first time you put on iron maiden and you hear that you're like yeah this is cool you know and obviously iron maiden is is a standard remember uh you know so and then 
a you know, sanctuary, which was is part of the North American edition. In England, that that was a single, you know. So in, in the United States, sanctuary was um, added to the album, and that's a you know they played that song live for a long time, uh, you know, especially in the in the the, the middle eighties. They was always included in the set, so it's a good song. To me, collectively, this is better than Killers. That's why it's ranked so much higher, you know. But you could sense that there was a, this youthfulness to the band, and as each album progressed, and when they got to Number of the Beast, I mean, it was amazing how much more mature that that album sounded, and the songwriting sounded. A hundred percent. Okay, yeah. Um, number four for me was your number six, and that's Brave New World. Um. As we, as I was mentioning before, and then I'll keep it brief. Brave New World, you know, solid side one, and you know, the side two was was the one that was questionable for me. Even though it's still very, very good. I'll put it that way. You know, it was good enough that as a collective, it got all the way up to number four for me. So that's that's the way I look at that one. I love Brave. I mean, I agree with you exactly what you said when when I bought this record and I heard it. And I said, Iron Maiden's back. I mean, they it was outstanding. And especially hearing the riffs to Wicker Man. Oh, my God, that's an amazing song. It's so um, good. <laughs> it is. All right, what's your number four? My number four is Peace of Mind. Um, so I know a lot of people say that's their favorite album, and there are some amazing songs on there. Where Eagles Dare, absolutely amazing opening. I like Revelations. Flight of Icarus is is one of my favorites on this album die with your boots on the trooper still life not as much but i still like it quest for fire same sun and steel i really like and to tame a land um there's something about this album that just never clicks to me as much as the ones we're about to talk about on my side um but yeah it's you know it's another mind-blowing album from beginning to end like it's one that you know there's ones that i always say like it's a it's a you know, front to back album. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I'll go out of my way to listen to every song just individually. But most of these, I would just randomly say, you know, I want to listen to where Eagles there. I want to listen to flight of Icarus. I want to listen to the trooper, you know? So even though it's, you know, it's a front to backer and, but it doesn't have every song on it that I'll just go out of my way to listen to. And that's why it's number four rather than being a little bit higher. There's, there's a couple on here. I will pretty much listen to every song just randomly. Peace of mind for me is a little bit higher. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit more when I get to it. Um, so what is your number three? My number three is power slave power slave. Um, one of the first albums that I remember hearing, you know, in, in its entirety, Ace is High, Two Minutes to Midnight, um, you know, Power Slave, the, the actual track, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. I mean, obviously, I like the others in between, Lost for Words, uh, Big Aura, um, The Duelists, Back in the Village. Those are all great songs. I think probably the, the weakest is Flash of the Blade. Um, but overall, you know, this album does way more for me than... than uh, peace of mind does just as a whole and like ace is high one of my favorite tracks in general um power slave is one that will always stick in my mind and i'll find myself humming it just out of nowhere 
And then Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. What a closing track. So good. Um, so this one, this one to me, sits a little higher. I like the sound of it, like the, the actual production on this album more than I like it on Peace of Mind as well. And that gives it a little bit of a bonus, a couple, you know, a couple bonus points. I'm not as, as like diehard set on production. I do like the sound of, you know, analog recording way more than I like digital recording, etc. But, you know, for the most part, production isn't isn't what makes the album for me as long as it sounds decent (laughs) (laughs) better than ass better than ass it does well you know ass is sometimes good too but (laughs) all right well my number three is also power slave um and i agree with you on on all your sentiments um the only thing is i do like flash of the blade uh a little bit more than i do the duelists um but other than that um everything i mean it's got eight tracks um, two minutes to midnight, obviously excellent. Ace is high. I like Lost for Words to the point where they were playing that early into the um, power, the the World Slavery tour um, when when they toured in '85 for this, and or actually should I say '84, '85, and uh, I to show that I, that they played in New York City when I was there. They played Lost for Words and to the point where that gay. I I don't know if it was something that was in the regular set. But they played it that night because I know Bruce was sick. They ended up canceling the next two nights at Radio City because Bruce, they, Bruce was sick. They, he had come down with the flu, and you could sense you could sense something was wrong with him. He was sitting down during a lot of the guitar solos and the breaks mm. uh, on the side of the stage because he just was not feeling well. But regardless of that, put on an excellent show and. You know, other than seeing him, you know, sit down and rest every so often, and his voice sounded great. Um, Back in the Village, pretty cool song. Power Slave is one of those kinds of songs that grew on me. It wasn't uh, a right away great song for me, but it definitely grew on me. And then Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, from the minute that I heard it, was just absolutely outstanding. One of the few songs that are 13 and a half minutes long that'll keep you engaged almost the entire time. I mean, if there's going to be a time when it loses you, it's going to be that little quiet part in the middle. And even then you, cause they do, they have these little nuances throughout that part that keep you interested that if you miss it the first time, it's like you, you almost say to yourself, did I, did I just miss something? And you either go back or you listen to the whole song from the beginning again, just to get to that part. That is what keeps you into that song. So for me, that's my number three song uh, going to my number two it was your number four, Peace of Mind. Um, Peace of Mind, for me, was the first album that I got. And if you uh, listened to last week's episode uh, for 1983, um, this is the first Iron Maiden album that I got that came out new as a fan. So, like, I already be- I became a fan of Iron Maiden after they had already released Number of the Beast. So, this was the first album that it was, I was waiting with anticipation to come out as a fan and it did not disappoint whatsoever. I mean, that I saw that they had a new drummer kind of disappointed that Clive Burr was there, but my disappointment wasn't because they, it was, they were replacing Clive Burr because as a, as a 14 year old kid, that wasn't something that I said, Oh, this guy's outstanding. How come they, how could they get rid of this guy? It was more of the fact that at this point, Iron Maiden had released four albums and had four different lineups. And I, I was getting getting to the point where like, uh, is this 
Steve Harris, like Richie Blackmore, you know, has got to have a different guy on the album every time. <laughs> so, um, but obviously I learned after that, that they hit, he had been trying to get the perfect band and he finally, uh, I believe at that time, and that's what I was believing. He finally achieved that, you know, and they were together for the next, what, six years, seven, eight years. Yeah. Next eight yeah, years. Quite a while. Yeah. No, no, actually it was 93. So the next 10 years after that. So they were together. Well, it wasn't the same band. So they st- in 1990, it changed again after, or 89. So it was only for another, at this point, another six years that they were together as this collective until the reunion. But anyway, you know, one through nine to me, I mean, I like the cheesy Quest for Fire. I thought that's, you know, even back then, I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool song. It wasn't super fast, but it had a hook to it. You know, I the, the song, the the chorus has got a hook it's not the best song in the world but it's got enough of a hook to keep me in, engaged i love sun and steel i love still life especially the backward messaging uh, obviously the troopers are standard flight of icarus you know they played on the last tour great die with your boots on great i mean revelation is one of my favorite songs where eagles dares like oh let's let's test out nico how good of a drummer are you you know <laughs> and to tame a land you know it's at this point, you know they 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 had "Hallowed Be Thy Name," so they, that was one epic. And then they give you another epic, and then on Power Slave, they give you an even longer epic. You know, so they keep doing these epics. You know, that somewhere in time, you know, it's it's got uh, uh, which we'll call it uh, Alexander the Great. You know, Power Slave's got Power Slave. I mean, uh, I mean, not Power Slave. Uh, Seventh Son has Seventh Son, even though that's not the end of the album, but it's still they're 11 minute opus yeah that was kind of weird album. how they didn't they didn't put that one at the end but i the placement's I, fine it's just i think it had to do with the story yeah along the way yeah because it's for the most part it's kind of telling a you know story here and there throughout the album so yeah right and the other thing that was great when this album came out is they released that single for the trooper with the iconic eddie uh you know on the battlefield and then the, the b-side being cross-eyed mary awesome and then the b-side for flight of Icarus, i got the fire the old montrose uh cover and they had done it earlier in their career but this is the studio version much better i mean this bruce dickinson they just really brought their game when they redid that that song so i love this album yeah i like that cover a lot it's really good I, I like early montrose too like i i had bad motor scooter or the it, 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 it was just called Montrose, right? I believe so. And yeah. it had Bad Motor Scooter on it. Like I got that album on the merit of it being, you know, uh, Sammy Hagar. But I just, I, I really liked the, that first album. Second one wasn't quite as good, but it was still like I still like it, you know. Right. Um. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, moving on to uh, my number two. Um. You probably guessed it. It's caught. Co- uh. Sorry. It's somewhere in time. Um. You know. I. I, I get where you're coming from and you're, you, you know, you don't like the, the, the guitar tone and stuff. I feel completely opposite as far as the guitar tone. I think it's really cool. Like, I don't think sounding eighties is a bad thing at all. Cause it's probably my favorite era of time, even though I was just a wee lad back then. <laughs> um, but like, I, I, 
80s, early 90s, some of the, some of my favorite music, and it's just always how it's going to be. Um, I love everything about this album from beginning to end. Um, Caught Somewhere in Time, Wasted Years, Sea of Madness, Heaven Can Wait, Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, I think is a super underrated track. Uh, Stranger to Strange Land, so good, Deja Vu. And then Alexander the Great is one of my favorite uh, epic closers from any of the... Uh, fr- Iron Maiden albums. I think it's it's absolutely fantastic, and it, it's kind of sad that they've never played it live. I'm really hoping that, you know, every hint is saying that they're going to play it live in this, this tour that's upcoming, and I really hope that happens, even if Bruce has to read it from a, a notebook in front of him, whatever he has to do. I, <laughs> I want to hear it. Um, Wasted Years, one of my favorite songs, period. Um, just love everything about it. I love the, especially on the live versions, the harmony with, uh, with Adrian Smith, with, when he's doing his lower vocals on the song, they sound absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, I love this album. Sometimes it's my favorite, but a lot of times I've, I've kind of over the years conceded that our seemingly mutual number one is the best Iron Maiden album, but many times I do feel like this is like my favorite, maybe, maybe because of nostalgia factor, you know, it being one of the first that I ever heard. Um, but also just, it's such a good album. Um, I mean, it is, I don't, I don't disagree with you in that. It's a good album, but I liked more better. Now, the funny thing about it is when we, when I was talking about the, the sound and and it it being so eighties, it's like, their early '80s stuff sounds raw, and then you get mm-hmm. you get to Number of the Beast, which has got such an excellent production, and then you get to me better production with Peace of Mind, and just as equal or almost as good, you know, production with Power Slave. You know, in some cases, some people will say that's better production than Peace of Mind. Those albums are so well produced, right? That trilogy of albums, and then you come to Somewhere in Time, and it's like. Almost, you almost feel let down because when you were there in it, you're just like, oh, now they're sounding like all the other electronic bands that are out there. And they succumbed to all the other electronic sounding stuff that's out there. Because that's that was in the middle 80s. And I say 84, 85, 86, you know, when, when that came out. But that was towards the tail end. Mm-hmm. It was that whole vibe of the electronic sound. And I think they were just, to me, they were just one step behind when it came to, you know, like if they had done it with power slave, it probably would have been more acceptable as, as for me, I guess you could say, because that was the height of it. That's when everybody was doing it. Right. But they, to me, they got it right on the tail end and then they extended it with seventh son. So that's why I kind of had an issue with it. Although, I was a, I'm a big fan of Wasted Years. I mean, I love that song. I like Caught Somewhere in Time a lot. You know, so you know, and Heaven Can Wait at the time I liked it a lot. I just over over time it just kinda like, eh, you know, it it, it hasn't it hasn't um aged well for me. I get that. I I just never really kinda put it on that same level because like bands like Judas Priest when they went electronic, like Turbo is <laughs> it's a special album, you know, like it's I like, uh, you know, like the actual song Turbo. I genuinely like it, right? Or Turbo Lover. Um, but 
it's not like a Judas Priest song to me, you know? It's it's just a a silly like diversion in their history. Um, the whole album? But, yeah, like it really is. It it but I don't like the whole album. I like Turbo Lover. I know your favorite song couple... is I know your favorite song is Private Property. Oh god. <laughs> what a shitty song. Like uh, I I don't usually talk about Judas Priest in in that kind of language. I'm very reverent of Judas Priest, but like that song sucks. Uh <laughs> Parental guidance, though, is the worst one. It's like you're 45 years old. You don't need parental guidance. You're good. That's what he's. Like, that's what he's telling you. <laughs> we don't need no. Oh oh oh. Parental guidance. Oh oh oh. No, like locked in is a cool song. Um, I think that's that's exhausting my songs that I like on that album. But <laughs> but, but like. I never thought of it that way with Iron Maiden where it didn't feel like a sellout thing. It just is a really cool, different guitar tone. And I don't know of any other band that has that same guitar tone. It's just like distortion to me is, because is nobody like, wanted it. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, as, as you can tell, if you've been listening for this whole hour or something, We've reached number one, and number one is a consensus. We didn't plan it that way, but kind of the album kind of said, yeah, it's going to be number one. Number of the Beast, uh, that, that's where I picked up Iron Maiden from that point on. So I've been a fan since 82. Um, excellent. Excellent. I mean, it is my favorite Iron Maiden album, obviously, and it has my favorite Iron Maiden song with Hallowed Be Thy Name. Um, they just released a... Um, vinyl version of it with additional discs of Beast Over Hammersmith and they changed the track listing to include Total Eclipse but they removed Gangland off the album so this supposedly is the original way that Steve Harris intended it to be all those years ago and I call bullshit on that because if that's what you really wanted you fucking do it Okay, <laughs> and then on top of that, when you go ahead and re-release it and you do include the song, why take Gangland out at that point? Everybody knows it exists, you know? Yeah. So, and then they, you know, then they re-release it. So, say, they remaster it, they add the song. They remaster it again, they keep the song on, and then they remaster it again, and they remove the song, and then they not a remaster, this is a reissue of a uh, 40th anniversary issue of Number of the Beast, and then they keep the song in there and they remove another song that's basically everybody knows since the beginning of Iron Maiden fandom. So Steve definitely has some Dave Mustaine-esque you know, tendencies bit. where he, he wants to revise history a little bit and change this and that, and, the, you know, like maybe not as bad of a degree, but... Steve has that kind of like, um, what, what's what's the term I'm looking for? Um, Narcissism? <laughs> no, he he just has a, he's a little bit of a control freak. Oh, absolutely! You know? I mean, it, it was funny because you know I was listening to a podcast with Jericho uh, and Brian Slagle, and they were doing the they were doing a a list of of what was it? Um, uh, the Iron Maiden openers, right? Mm -hmm. And they they did um, 
it was it was Brian Slagle, Chris Jericho, and a guy named Merlin Alderslade who is from Metalhammer. And they their story about Steve Harris is funny because they all said the same thing. Even Rod Smallwood kowtows to Steve Harris. Like, you know, as, as strong as, you know, as everyone does, Rod this, Rod this, Rod this, Steve, Rod will go, Steve's the boss. And that's the, re- yeah. and that's the reason why they call him the boss. So, and, and what's, what, so what are your thoughts on Number of the Beast? I mean, it, I, it's my favorite Iron Maiden album after all these years because it just has such a good track listing. Invaders, I think is, it, it's a really different opening. Like, it's the it's kind of one of the most bizarre openings they have, but I really like the track, and like as a little kid playing like Space Invaders and stuff like that, I think it just it was one of those that sunk into me because I always kind of associated it with that, um, even though it has nothing to do with that whatsoever. But like you know, when you're a kid, things just hit you in a certain way, right? Um, but Children of the Damned, such a good song. The Prisoner, even like knowing more about it and having watched like the Prisoner TV show, and there, then there was Fozzie did a really cool cover of the of the Prisoner that I like. Um, uh, Twenty Two Acacia Avenue, awesome song. Everywhere I move, when I'm like learning my new address, I kind of like sing it to the, <laughs> the Twenty Two Acacia <laughs> Avenue song. Um, but number of the beast, amazing run to the hills, like especially in tandem with the music video for for run to, run to the hills, like just such a, a good song, impactful song. Um, Gangland is probably the weakest track on the album, so I don't mind it not being there on the re-release, but it's still kind of weird because you expect it, you know. Um, but hallowed be thy name, hands down number one song for iron maiden just awesome like i know there's the the history of like you know certain parts of it being taken from other songs like that's been worked out history is what it is it's done still an amazing song like it's absolutely great album the production's great and clive burr still is my favorite iron maiden drummer i love nico don't get me wrong, but there's something about the way that Clive plays that I just really enjoy. He has a different mentality than Nico does. And, um, you know, he was just super talented. So I, I, I wish he had gone on to play with, you know, better bands or made it to some band that, like, utilized his talents. But, it, you know, it's, it's a shame that it, it, it didn't work out for him on a, on a better level. But I love his drumming on the three albums that he's on. And this one in particular, just his phrasing, his his thought processes, um, it always stood out to me. So I just really love this album. Yep. I I agree. I mean, it's a, it's a shame that Clive Burr didn't work out with the band. But at the same time, in the long run, it ended up being something that they had to do. And so, absolutely, yeah. You can't blame them for for you know finding somebody that they have better chemistry with, and they've been like 
you know, that he's been in the band ever since. Yeah, I mean, someone just as dedicated as Steve. You put it like that, you know. Um, and you have to be, so. And personalities have to work together for a band to exist. And we've seen too many times these bands that, that like, they don't like each other, but they'll play together. And so, Like Motley Crue is an example. <laughs> like, they don't want anything to do with each other, but they play for money, and it shows. Yes, so. it does. Well, that is our... Iron Maiden Worst of First, 17 through 1. I hope you enjoyed that list because um, I want to hear from you guys. I want you guys to post your lists on social media, whether it's going to be on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Post them out there. I want to see what you guys have, and we'll, we can comment back and forth. So, all right, that brings us to our big four now we've done several iron maiden episodes so it's kind of hard to pick a big four we've done live albums we did the, you know the, the big four songs the big four albums well now we've doing the big four iron maiden songs sung by paul diano so we have a very small list to choose from but it's still going to be i'm pretty sure there'll be a couple of crossovers but i don't think they're going to be exactly the same we shall see all right. It always surprises me how close some of ours are, even though we well, w- do not talk about these. No, so. we never. And that's the funny thing. You know, people out there were probably listening and go, nah, you guys talk about this all the time. We never, ever talk about our big fours. You know, we 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 work in, in an office next to each other. We're always talking about something metal. But we never, when it's showtime or we're talking about what we're going to do for the show this week, we never, ever talk about the big four other than what is it going to be this week. So um, why don't you go ahead and go first since I started off the show with the, the or the worst of first. All right. Uh, my number four is going to be Running Free. Um, you said it's a song for young people. So obviously, you know, me being so young. Um it's <laughs> it's it's an awesome track. Um, I love the drum track opening it into it. Um, it. It's just got a good vibe to it, and I really enjoy it to, to this day. Like it's just it's a lot of fun. Um, my number uh, my number three. I was about to say my number thirty <laughs> because it's that far down on my Excel sheet. Um, my number three is uh, Wrathchild. Um, just awesome opening track. Um, you know, like, wh- what do you expect? Like, you know, you, you, you get exactly what Iron Maiden is going to be from that, you know, um, especially those early years. You, you, you just, like, that era of, of uh, Iron Maiden to me is kind of personified with Wrathchild. Yeah, okay, so let me... Let me clarify, because Ides of March is technically the opening track, but, you know, it's really a lead-in into Wrathchild. So, um, so my number two is also an opening track, Prowler. Um, this is this is one of those, again, like, if if Wrathchild doesn't personify Iron Maiden, then, I, then Prowler does to some degree. Like, it, it's just such a cool opener. Like, this is the first song you hear if you ever pick up, like, an Iron Maiden album chronologically if you were there you know in 1980 you know you pick this up and it's just like okay this is iron maiden um awesome track awesome uh riff just badass uh, my number one is phantom of the opera um it's one that really grew on me over time 
Um, you know, it's just such a unique track in their catalog. Uh, I would love to hear them play it more often. Um, but, you know, there's a thousand other great songs they have in their track listing that they got to fit in. Uh, but this was such a cool song. And I've heard, like, you know, um, uh, Dennis Stratton will will play this and pretty much any opportunity it gets when it gets together with other musicians. Um, you know, it's it's such a good track and so unique and so like mature compared to a lot of the stuff they were putting out at the time even though it's you know again a movie monster movie like subject like that awesome i agree with you (laughs) but i have my own list to go over and we have 25 percent crossovers that means we have one song that matches Oh wow! Okay. That's it. Yeah, I was I was surprised. I thought there was gonna be a couple more. Oh no! I'm my. What am I stupid? Everyone nod yes. <laughs> okay, this is actually fifty percent crossover. <laughs> okay, there's two songs. Okay, so my number four song. Um, so the way I looked at this is, I, I was trying to look at like performance, like really what performance from Paul really stood out for me. Um, so this is the way I look at it. Because, and I didn't, like, ballads don't count for me. Uh, So, anyhow, my number four, Innocent Exile. Uh, I thought that was a pretty cool song. I love the bass intro on that one. And I I think Paul did a great job on it. Um, Number three. So, what's weird about this list for, for me is that how many songs are from one album that I have ranked somewhere in the middle? you know, compared to the other one. So anyhow, and you'll figure it out. Innocent Exile, number four. Number three for me is Killers. Love that tune. Again, little bass line there. So that's the funny, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm attracted to Steve's bass, you know, the way he plays the bass. Obviously, he's a great bass player. But this, you know, Innocent Exile, Killers, they start off with these really cool bass lines. And... My number two song is Wrathchild, another one with a great bass line. And another thing that you see with those three songs, they're all from Killers. So it makes kind of no sense what I was talking about earlier, but that's not true. Because then after that, everything changes <laughs> with, the, with the Killers album. They got good songs. They're just not as good as Iron Maiden. And speaking of Iron Maiden, my number one is Phantom of the Opera. My number two favorite Iron Maiden song of all time out of the Paul era, it is hands down my number one favorite song in, in the, those two albums. Like you said, just an exceptional song so far advanced compared, I mean, compared this to running free. I mean, running free for the most part has one riff the whole way, you know? And then you have, yeah, then you true. have Phantom of the Opera. I mean, it's a good riff though. It's a good riff, but funny thing, running free has got one verse. That's it. They repeat it three times. <laughs> well, they're, they're running free. Yes, they are. Oh no. Is it, is it's, it, uh, Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Iron Maiden has one verse repeated three times. Iron Maiden yes. yeah, has one verse. Iron Maiden has one it's verse. It's still repeat. a cool song, but like, you know, it's to me it's, it's not. It's literally one, one verse, best. four lines repeated, yeah. you know, three times. Um, but yeah, that's my number one, Phantom of the Opera. So, I mean, excellent songs from you, good songs from me. Um, it's just, I love talking about Iron Maiden. I could talk about Iron Maiden all day long. Um, so that tells you that any last thoughts you got? Um, 
not really. I mean, it, this this was one of those subjects that, like like you said, like I could talk about Iron Maiden pretty much all day. Um, so it's probably best that we stop at some point so we can return to our normal daily lives. Never. Okay. <laughs> well, that's our big four Iron Maiden songs sung by Paul Diano. And I want to remind everyone that since you probably already have subscribed, since you're probably listening to this, and thank you very much for doing so, why don't you go ahead and leave us a rating or some comments on your your favorite podcast platform and really let us know how you feel about the show. And don't forget to leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. YouTube viewers, click subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when we post a new episode. So remember to tune in next week when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya.